At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Episode 33 of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. So today we're going to be talking about what the journey is like with PTSD recovery. So this is the Trauma Recovery Podcast. So what does recovery actually look like? Not unlike addictions, not unlike AA, the first step, of course, is always in understanding that you do, in fact, have a problem. And that can take a great long time. took me 22 years before I decided, oh my God, I have a problem. And even then, it took another three years of treatment before I was able to accept that I am, in fact, injured and it's not a sign of weakness, even though I was saying it again and again, and I would tell other people this. Myself, I didn't really believe it. I didn't believe that I deserved to be injured. I didn't believe that I deserved to receive help. I didn't believe that I deserved that my traumas were big enough or important enough to cause an injury. I didn't believe any of that. So getting to that point is pretty important because if you don't believe you actually have an issue then there's no reason for you to own that issue. There's no reason for you to be on the road to recovery. But when you finally get there, which some people never do, sadly, because it's just too much to bear, but for those that do start the road, the first step in understanding that you have a problem is the unconscious incompetence. So this is the four stages. It's unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence and unconscious competence. So this is something that I have taught before when I was a sales trainer, talking about the four levels of skills uh, for the progression of being a good sales trainer or a good salesperson. It's no different with PTSD recovery. Uh, It starts with you don't know that you don't know. That's the unconscious incompetence. So You don't realize that you can't regulate your emotions. You don't realize that it's not everybody else's fault that you keep losing your temper. You don't realize. You think everybody else is the problem. You don't realize that you are the problem, that it's your inability to regulate emotions, that if you freak out on somebody with a road rage, it's not the other person's fault that you just freaked out at them. That's a tough one to get. It's so easy to point the fingers and go, you asshole, you're driving like a jerk, and that's why I'm angry. I wouldn't be angry if people just learned how to drive. These are the types of things that we tell ourselves. In the world of first responders and veterans, if you are along your recovery and you start saying things like, those stupid civilians... You know, you've heard it. You've probably said it. I've certainly heard it. I probably even said it once or twice. But we're pointing the fingers because somehow we think it's up to everybody else to understand us. 
it's not up to us to understand everybody else. Oh, no, no. Everybody else is the problem. I don't have to take responsibility for my attitude. And that's a problem. We hear it in groups still. Those stupid civvies, they drive me crazy. Because they just don't understand. Well, maybe it's you that doesn't understand them. We are a minority. We're a small, small part of the population. It's not up to the rest of the world to understand what an OSI is, how it manifests, and how to deal with it. It's not up to the rest of the world to bend to us. It's up to us to bend to the rest of the world. And that's what, why a lot of people, they end up being truck drivers or other professions that keeps them away from groups or office politics because they just don't want to deal with people. It, what they don't want to deal with is the hard work of understanding ourselves. It's really, really tough to point a finger at ourselves and go, oh my God, I'm the problem. Suicide is one of the byproducts of that realization. Because if people say, oh my God, I'm the problem and the world is better off without me because I can't change, suicide often follows that. And that's a problem. It's also not the right way to think because it's not true. Because recovery happens. Healing happens. You can move forward. You can. So stage one is the unconscious incompetence. You don't know that you don't know. You have no idea that you are the problem. If you can get to the point of conscious incompetence, which means when you screw up, you realize that that was you. You blow up at your kids, you realize that wasn't my kids' fault that I just blew up at them. It's the injury. It's the OSI that I have. That's why I blew up at the kids. Now, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. It is not our fault that we have an OSI. It is our responsibility to fix it, to deal with it, to seek help. It's not our fault that we have the injury, but it is our responsibility to heal. That's on us. So you get to the point through therapy, self-awareness, reading books, or maybe you just have that holy shit come to Jesus moment like I did. When you realize, oh boy, I'm hurting my kids. I'm abusing my wife. Tough, tough, tough things to come to. Because you don't think you are. You know that you're a good-hearted person and that you don't intend to. But the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So once you realize that your intentions aren't enough, being a good-hearted person isn't enough. You have to keep a grip on your actions, which means you have to learn to regulate your emotions. Because when emotion is high, rationale is low, and you act out and speak out in ways that you shouldn't, because you're emotionally charged. You're never using the old doodle when you're emotionally charged. Learning to respond instead of reacting, tough work. Doesn't happen overnight. You can't read a bromide on a bumper sticker and it's going to fix you. It's work, a lot of work, and it's all internal work. So conscious incompetence is realizing that you don't know. 
Conscious incompetence is realizing that you do in fact have a problem. And that it is you. It's not everybody else. It's not your kids. It's not the Calgary drivers. It's you. How people act towards you is on them. How you react to them is on you. Conscious incompetence, knowing that you don't know, knowing that you need to make a change, knowing that you've got work to do. That's conscious incompetence. When you are far enough down the line, you've done enough therapy, enough group, you've read enough books, you start to get to the point of conscious competence where you can do the right thing, but you got to think about it. It's not automatic. So you catch yourself in the moment, you feel your body, you feel the anxiety in your body, you feel it building up, and you know that you've got to do a timeout and walk away from the situation before it gets bad. That's conscious competence. Happened to me just uh, last weekend. One of our army buddies was telling a war story, of which I don't have a great level of... I can't really um, deal with that very well. I don't got a lot of resilience with it. So I listened and I listened. And then it started, as soon as my anxiety started to come up, Earlier on, before it got too bad, I called a timeout and said, hey, either we got to change the topic or I got to go for a walk. But I said it from a place of compassion and with a smile on my face and understanding that this person just needed to vent and that's okay. I just wasn't in a place to absorb it. Anyway, that person didn't stop. Great person, by the way. Fantastic soldier. Um, but I looked after myself and I consciously made the choice to look after myself and to not let things get bad. And I went for a walk so I could decompress and make sure my head was on straight and make sure that I wasn't upset or angry, that I was being compassionate. That's conscious competence. I knew what to do. I had to force myself to do it, but I did it. And I did the right thing so that a situation didn't go bad on me. That's conscious competence. I'm doing it, but I have to really be wary. I have to really be on the ball, vigilant. That's conscious competence. When you know what to do, but it's not automatic. Unconscious competence is like a place that you've driven to a hundred times. You drive to it one more time and you realize, I don't even remember the drive. I was just on autopilot the whole time. How did I even get to work today? I don't remember a th single thing that happened on the road. Because you're on autopilot. You, you're, you just did it without having to think about it. In military training, uh, ambush drills are very much about, well, any of the drills, really. It's um, immediate action drills. Contact left. You turn left and unleash hell. Contact right, you turn right and unleash hell. Contact front, you do Australian peel back. Um, it's just reaction. It's a Pavlovian response. A plus B equals C. And you do it again and again and again and again and again until it just happens. Very, very effective as a soldier to just react 
in a combat scenario to react instead of respond, react instead of stopping and thinking and contemplating. Hesitation kills, as they say. So we don't have time to think about what's going on. We just have to react to the stimulus. We are unconsciously competent because of the training at responding with violence, which makes us unconsciously incompetent in life. Because simply reacting with violence without any thought, without any conscious process, isn't good for life. If you're at the kitchen table and you're getting mad as a hatter because somebody isn't eating their vegetables, they're just not doing something the way you want them to do it, well, you're unconsciously incompetent. Because you're unconsciously competent at combat. It makes you unconsciously incompetent at life. And you don't even have to see combat for this to happen. It can just be the training. If your training is to respect, to react instantly with violence, well, that's going to translate to your life. You've got to watch out for it. So that when it happens, you can get a grip on it and go, whoa, 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 this isn't a combat scenario. What the hell am I doing? This is a different world, which means it has different rules. And i got to act accordingly. We have to be two different people. We have to be the person who's ready for the combat, for the violence, for whatever's going on. And that's, when I say combat, I'm talking about paramedics too, and firefighters, and uh, any cop, of course. Because vi- we're around violence all the time. If we bring that response to that violence home and we don't know that we're doing it, that's unconscious incompetence. If we bring it home and we recognize that we're doing it, but we're not doing anything about it, so we know we're a problem, but we're not fixing the problem, that's conscious incompetence. If we recognize we're the problem and we're doing something about it and we're getting a grip on it, that's conscious competence. If our natural state is to bring it home, but you're able to switch gears and become somebody else and react with compassion instead of aggression, that's unconscious competence. If you're just doing it, you don't have to think about it. The difference, one of the differences between us and the rest of the world is that the rest of the world is already unconsciously competent at not reacting with violence not reacting with aggression. Now, (laughs) and they're also unconsciously incompetent that uh, should a violent situation arise, most of the world doesn't know how to deal with that. Most of the world doesn't know what to do if you get punched in the face. So they crumple. That's where we are unconsciously competent. That's why we're so diametrically opposed with the civilian population, or at least a good chunk of it. We are used to violent, to a violent world. They are not. So we can't ask them to think like us. We don't want them to think like us. That's what we're here for. We're the sheepdogs. And being unconsciously competent 
as a sheepdog and being unconsciously competent as a regular, productive, peaceful member of society are two different competencies and they clash. So we got to be both people, both people. And that's tough because we're the only ones that have to do that. They don't have to do that. They don't have to learn to live in violence, but we do. But we also have to learn to live without violence, without aggression. To know when it's appropriate and when it is not. The challenge with that is our brains get stuck on full throttle. That's PTSD. Some horrendous event happens that requires fight or flight. Of course, we don't run, so we fight. And the throttle gets stuck on full sometimes. That's where you have the hypervigilance. That's where you have the exhaustion in the middle of the day and you need to have a nap. Because that race car engine is just going as fast as it can all the time. And that's the injury. That's PTSD. That's an OSI. And it's a son of a bitch to deal with. But we got to do it. We have to consciously recognize, oh shit, my problem is a problem to others. If I freak out and punch the hell out of my steering wheel or punch a hole in the wall, anybody that sees that or sees the hole in the wall after, they're uncomfortable. It affects them in a negative way. And how dare I? How dare I force anybody else to deal with my own personal violence? How dare I? I have no right to make somebody else have to smell my farts because that's what it is. You don't just walk in a room. It's okay if you smell your own farts, but it's not okay for other people to smell your farts. And expecting them to just roll with it when you have an outburst, you're asking them to smell your farts. It's not okay. It's not. It is on us to go to therapy, to listen to Operation Tango Romeo, to share it with others once we're ready. It's on us. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke. This is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. (laughs) 